0: If you're looking for success, it's in the details. Small hinges move big doors. And now, your host, Karen Allen. Hello, friend, and welcome to In the Details. I'm your host, Karen Allen. And today, I'm honored to be joined by Christy Garcia, the founder of the Mindful Choice Leadership Academy. After a decade of working in corporate America as a recruiter and in sales management and healthcare, Christy saw talented individuals fail to reach their leadership potential due to a lack of training and resources. They were praised for their individual success, but then they would struggle to adopt this bigger picture perspective once promoted because there was little to no guidance to help them. So Christy decided to create programs that would reintroduce the human element into leadership and elevate a leader's potential. So if you're ready, let's get in the details with Christine.
1: Hello, friend. Welcome. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to visit with you and hopefully add value to your uh, listeners. I
0: know there's going to be a ton of value added <laughs> without a doubt because this is such an important conversation. Something that I highlighted in the intro here is you know, something I think a lot of people go through as they set their career ambition high uh, and maybe they have a goal in mind you know, in leadership or executive team. Actually, a lot of our listeners are in some level or on some level, I should say, part Of the leadership team. But still, as we progress in our career, you know, it changes. The dynamic completely changes of what's expected of us, our responsibilities increase, and a lot of times beyond what's on the job description. (laughs) And so I'd love to hear, you know, tell us about how you were inspired to start the Mindful Choice Leadership Academy. What was it that spurred this?
1: You know, I was in uh, medical cells for about eight years and I was getting the rookies of the year, and I was always in the top ten of the team. And so they kept pushing me to get into management. And for some reason, I just really didn't want to, and I didn't know why. And eventually, I finally got really curious. What what is it that doesn't want me to get tough? Cause I, like, I was happy to train, I was happy to you know teach and be in that space. But that management level, I just kept watching. Like as you mentioned, you know people get promoted for individual success into the sales rep. Right, we all do it our way, we do it our right way, and like we're attached to how we do things. We're the best. And with that being said, I think a lot of times when people get promoted, especially in that sales arena or a really high individual contributor role, then they get to where they don't know how to shift to the we. How do we win? How do we get my entire team to the team or to the finish line? And I started to recognize what that was. I didn't really have language to it back then, but I did start to do leadership or uh, life coaching for myself. My my old boss actually at the time told me about life coaching. He knew I wanted to start a business of some sort. He's like, oh, you'd be a really good life coach. And I'm like, yeah that's a little woo. I'm not really interested in that. Thanks, but no thanks. But I was like, hey, maybe I can learn and grow from it. So I went out and started to do my certification for life coaching. And as I was going through it, I started to see how it was kind of overlapping with business, like, oh, maybe this is part of the problem. One, we're not addressing the human where they're at. And two, we you know, kind of generalize management training, like how to communicate effectively, how to conquer you know, difficult conversations, all that's great. But if you're not dealing with the human itself, those are just skills, right? And you can't apply skills if you haven't learned how to manage your own brain. And so as I started to dig into it, I started to learn more about my own ego. I had my own own kind of life-changing experience when I fell uh, 30 feet from a fire escape uh, one morning. Yeah, that that was kind of the catalyst to really shifting me to leave corporate America and start my business because I learned how my ego was holding me back and really telling me I was happy and I was fulfilled and I was living this great life where really when I fell and had to stop for a couple of weeks, it was like, oh, wait a second. I'm not quite as fulfilled. I'm not quite as satisfied with where I'm going. And it really showed the the reality of our world. You know, there's so many people that get so zoned in on their careers. They get so zoned in on happiness of success that they really don't know how to define success for their whole life. And a lot of people, not just men anymore, but women as well are so success-driven through their careers, they really wake up one day and that lack of fulfillment in their life shows up. Mm -hmm. And so that's what really pushed me to create Mindful Choice and get out there and start running a business and impacting lives in that leadership realm.
0: It's interesting that your personal experience of being injured and then having everything in your world stop because you were injured is uh, a small example, or I I would say an individual example of how the pandemic impacted everyone Yes, because that's what that time did for a lot of people because things were less busy. They then started to look at the quality of their life which for many people is it started to you know catch a uh, fire of the great resignation it wasn't just because of what was happening in companies it's because of what was happening to individuals in that yes. still quiet
1: time absolutely i think people were able to slow down for the first time in a long time i think it was really healthy for some really unhealthy for others mm-hmm. depending on the tools and the resources they kind of fell into and mm-hmm. I think the ones that really turned to kind of that self-work and really went internal has come out thriving, um, mm-hmm. finding for more fulfillment. And, you know, whether they left corporate America, whether they just found a new position or just really started to fall back in love with the position they had. You know, I think perspective is such a beautiful thing. And space is the only thing that gives us perspective. uh, That is so so. true.
0: (laughs) So, so, so true. Now you mentioned that you had a boss, I think you said, who kind Mm -hmm. of helped you in the early stages as you were thinking about what this would be suggested that you go and uh, pursue or consider life coaching. It's funny. I've definitely thought for a long time, life coaching was woo-woo. And then I was like, oh, it's woo-woo necessary because... Amen so that so true., <laughs> uh, but so true. but did who else helped you in these early stages of, you know, figuring out what is this service going to be? what What is this mm-hmm. offering, and how is it going to, you know, show up in this world?
1: Yeah. you know, at first it started out with just as coaching, like, oh, this is great. I can bring him in back to business and kind of just help people recognize their own awareness and their own confidence and that sort of thing. After about a year of running my business, I got introduced to a few things. And like I said, really learned that, whoa, that unconscious brain of mine, that ego of mine is so loud and so strong and so unconscious that people don't even know they have it because it's so sneaky. And so I started to really kind of get curious about that. A few of the tools, you know, tons of coaching. I mean, I can tell you, I probably spent $30,000, $40,000 on coaching for about three years in a row. Like, okay, let's just fix my stuff. (laughs) What is going on with me? But it was so, like you said, you know, I think life coaching can be woo-woo. I think business coaching uh, can be too black and white. And so really finding the combination of both. I think that's where I really needed that for me, like as a business person, as a leader, life coaching is awesome, but you also need that realistic business side of it too. Right. And so And, you know, I guess it just depends on your journey where you're at. For me at the time, I needed that woo-woo, but halfway through the program, like, okay, I can't really apply woo-woo to this business environment. Like how Mm -hmm. do I shift it and turn it into something else? Mm -hmm. And when I went to the program that I was going through, they had a site in Toronto for one of their courses. And so I went to Toronto and got a little more of that city East Coast vibe, which is I'm out here in California. So, you know, California is a little more uh, soft and fluffy and whoopity doo. And it's so awesome. It's great. And for me personally, that's what I needed. I needed to soften my, you know, round off the, the elbows and get rid of a little bit of my edge. And so softening myself was important, but I also wanted to make sure like, okay, how can we apply these very soft words into a workspace? And going to Toronto was actually such a great way to see it applied to both worlds. They're Mm -hmm. just a little more, you know, direct with their language. They are more intense with their business mindset back there. Not necessarily more successful or anything. It's just, you know, that intensity that comes with that East Coast vibe. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when I was like, wow, I can really see how we can apply this to business and bring these human components to those tactical skills. How Mm -hmm. do you communicate effectively? Mm -hmm. You have to manage your ego. How do you, you know, delegate effectively? You have to manage your ego. Mm -hmm. How do you successfully align your team around a purpose and an outcome? You have to manage your ego and every other ego in the room. And so that's really where I started to be able to kind of create a new language around the ego that I was learning about myself, but then also, you know, how to apply just really simple life coaching skills, right? Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. self-love and you know, without the woo-woo language that some people just are like, nope, not interested. But really what we're teaching here is authenticity, uh, vulnerability, trust, you know, how to, and it's not even always about someone else. You know, you have to trust yourself and you have to be vulnerable with yourself and honest with yourself before you can show up 100% with anybody else. And I think that's the real power of this work.
0: Man, that is so true. That is so, so, so true. And, you know, for, I also want to, what came up as you were speaking is, when we think, or when we say woo woo, what we're really talking about is like the spiritual piece of the life journey, which right. is hard to translate into the business world. So mm-hmm. I think those, you know, concrete life skills are things that we can sink our teeth into more, but like being a God girl, I know that the spirituality piece is definitely totally. a part of it. It's Absolutely. just that it's harder for that to resonate in the business workspace. And so with that in mind, I love how you said, so what I did was pulled out those life skills, brought Mm -hmm. that into the conversation, because really what it's doing is it is helping to create this rebalance in the workspace where we're not just about business, but we are also about people, right? Yes. And you start to bring that more human-centered mindset around leadership particularly because when you are a leader, you're not just driving numbers and systems and processes. You are literally at the forefront of your people. You are, you are, you know, that linchpin, if you will, for those who are, for everyone who's connected you above, next to, and below in the organization. However, that comes through you. It's not just about the data and the numbers. It's about the interactions that you're having with people, which is why bringing those life coaching skills, I can see, I can see why that would be so important and why that would resonate, you know, for you to say, oh, this is the piece where it crosses over because this is the missing piece in, in the workspace right now.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I think you nailed it when you're talking about that, you know, human part of this, like if we don't connect the people, I mean, that's what we saw in 2020. People are leaving their jobs because they didn't feel purpose. They didn't feel attached. They didn't feel connected. You know, they were just another number or they just, you know, lost, lost the reasoning behind why they were there. And I think that's the number one thing that if leaders can recognize their own impact in their employees, in you know, within their team, they can actually inspire people to stay through the hard times. Yes. And I think that's something that our society has gotten really lazy for doing the hard things. Um, when things get hard, we move on, we avoid, we reject, we resent, we judge. And those are all ego tactics that are unconscious. And unfortunately, we have practiced and built that muscle up so much over the last 10 years. And not saying that this is not, it's all bad, but there's a point where when do we have to just stay and do the hard stuff? Mm-hmm. Because the hard stuff is where we really win. Mm-hmm. Hard stuff is where we thrive. Hard stuff is where we grow. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, that's where we build connections, meaningful connections mm-hmm. that last forever, right? Like that's the loyalty that comes with humanity Mm -hmm. And we don't have that in today's society Mm -hmm. with this kind of replaceable mindset. Everything's replaceable, whether it's our computer, whether it's our friends, whether it's our family, we've kind of put this mindset around things that, well, if they don't believe the same thing as me, and it's uncomfortable, then this must be unhealthy or toxic. Mm -hmm. And again, those are, those are ego tactics that Unfortunately, isolate us all and put us all on our own island and constantly have us on the defense versus trying to work through some of those hard human issues that arise in business, families, relationships all the time.
0: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And I think there are checkpoints that we can certainly use to help us see if we are in a place that's unhealthy for us. But to your point, if we were to connect this to like working out, you know, you're not just going to do an easy workout because if you do an easy workout, you'll stay the same. But if you do, uh, if you engage in any kind of workout that brings some stress, that stresses mm-hmm. your muscles. And when you build that stress with recovery, what happens is you do grow your muscles grow. Yes. And I like thinking of all of these, again, we're, all, we're using air quotes here, guys, where you woo woo, but when you think <laughs> of these softer skills, we'll say we softer mm-hmm. skills, It's a lot easier for people, I've noticed, especially with leaders I work with, for them to grasp the concept of these softer skills or inner workings that start to develop when you can compare it to something that we have seen and we just literally know to be true, right? Like, how do we get better at something? Oh, we practice it, you know, over and over. It's not easy the first time. Well, you can see that. You can see that. And same thing with building that, that physical strength. And so I think it's interesting, though, because we have a lot more conversations nowadays around around the um, more intimate journeys, you know, the things that are going on inside and how that does translate to the world around us, which I think is also a missing piece. You know, it is very egotistical, as you say. And Mm -hmm. so to bring in some of these values that are more human centered it goes from having like an ego system to that ecosystem which is what yes, we all want to be a part of in our families yes. in our friendships and in at work and so i'm interested though because you've used the word ego a lot how do you define mindful leadership
1: yeah that's such a great question so my niche is ego management that's kind of what we focus on here at uh, mindful choice and by the word ego, I know some people are like, oh, I know someone with an ego. They're a real jerk. <laughs> um, well, the reality is we all have one. You know, I use the word ego as the unconscious mind. It's the one that has our unconscious behaviors, mindsets, beliefs, you know, the uh, the biases we all talk about these days. Those are all driven by this unconscious mind that we have. Unfortunately, 95% of the time it's running our day and our show. So if, if that's the case, then most of the time we're just going through the motions of life through ego management, we really help people recognize, you know, how to be more conscious of those thoughts, mindsets, and beliefs. So then you can shift. Now the ego never goes away. So you're never going to be a hundred percent ego managed. Like that's just not truth. And your ego is part of your strengths as well. So it's making sure, you know, the ego is not a hundred percent bad. It's just recognizing when is it showing up? Are you conscious of it? Or are you unconscious of it? Is it intentionally creating your action or is it unintentionally creating your action? And just by that level of mindfulness, you can actually create an impact that meets your your intentions versus creating an impact that's unintentional. Like How many times as a human, uh, whether you're a leader in an organization or just having a conversation with a family member or a friend, and you say, oh, that wasn't my intention because all of a sudden you're in an argument. Mm -hmm. And that's just normal. Again, that's that unconscious brain working on a daily basis and so being able to slow down really get curious around you know what is the impact i'm creating what's the impact i'm trying to create and then having the consciousness in those moments of real time to say hey that did not land how i wanted it to and then be able to take ownership ownership mm-hmm. of where it went how did it go south so that you can change it and that's part of that human realness being able to own when something went wrong when you didn't make a good choice when you know you had a brilliant fail, and that's the normalizing, normalizing the everyday accidents or um, the you know human whatever you part want to of call life. the human part of life <laughs> <laughs> that happens every day that we're not perfect either, and that's really when leaders thrive when they can get to that sweet spot of just true self confidence. I call it authentic confidence, where it's no longer your ego telling you you know fake it till you make it energy. It's like nope, I'm good and I can own my good, bad, and ugly and this is kind of what you get, and there's no stipulations, there's no expectations, it's just this is my my truth. And people love truth, right? Even if we don't agree with it, we can respect truth. Most of the time, we get opinions, we get judgments, we get ideas, we don't always get truth. And I think we can always usually tell viscerally in a body when someone is bringing truth to the game.
0: Absolutely, and so I'm sure you have seen all types of leaders as you offer these programs, and and the leaders who do subscribe to this way of thinking, where it's like, oh, well, I'm the leader, I'm going to get things done, I'm going to make a decision, and unapologetically so. Yes. (laughs) So, so in your opinion, what would you say? What have you seen is the biggest obstacle that prevents leaders from like fully embracing mindfulness Mm -hmm. into their leadership approach? 100%
1: 100% awareness. You know, you can't mm-hmm. you can't change something unless you're aware of it. And unfortunately, majority of the time that one of those ego traits that come up, we're not aware of them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of times there's three different ego types. A lot of times the controller might know they do something. Let's say they might know that they micromanage, but they'll have a reason why. Right. And so they don't really own it. The protector ego they might eventually get to the point where they accept it, but they only have worth and value if they're right, according to their ego. And then you've got the complier ego who's motivated by being liked. And so if they ever admit they're wrong, wow, that could create controversy and frustration for someone and it could cause, you know, some extra drama in their life. So they try to avoid that as much as possible. And so I think once you can start to help people recognize, you know, what are those ego tactics, just the normal human ego tactics that come with all of us and being able to say, OK, this is it's happening right now and being conscious. And again, you don't have to change it. You don't have to do anything about it. But when you're done with the situation, you can take ownership of your part. Right. Instead, what typically happens is something happens in a boardroom or in a, a meeting and all of a sudden you've got frustration you've got anger you got resentment people are yelling or maybe just annoyance right it's like God they just do this every time they they screw up the report or um they don't they show up late for the meeting whatever it is whatever your triggers are there's always someone that triggers you and being able to sit back and say okay what was my part in that situation instead of just blaming the other person for their wrongdoing now I always tell people there's a you can never take hundred percent ownership. If you take hundred percent ownership, your ego is making you a martyr or a victim. And that so. So key. Yeah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's so key. Right? Absolutely. And that takes the personal part out of it. Nothing's personal, right? If you can take ownership for your part, you give people responsibility, to take ownership of theirs. Now nothing's personal. And you just get to say, Hey, we both messed up. Let's talk about this. And you can have a real conversation because again it goes back to vulnerability when you can trust that you're okay even if you admit your wrongs you actually give other people permission to show up that way as well but if we always are going into the blame game it's really hard you know you start blaming they start blaming and now no one's going to win because we're on opposite teams and someone's got to be wrong mhm
0: mhm and what goes back to the center of that at least hopefully I can, I'm sure that this does in your teachings is that intention, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to just like point blame or pick out all the things, but something went wrong here. My intention is to figure it out. But again, with the wrong tools or the wrong conditioning, if you will, even we start to do it in these other default ways, which are not healthy, which then take away from really the intention of, our mission as an organization, not just as a leader and an individual contributor, which is is so key when we think about creating a human-centric workplace. It's one of the, the three guideposts that I talk about as well, which is that purpose piece. Yes, Because when we are more clear on the purpose of the organization first, and then of the team and their individual responsibilities to contribute to the overall mission, and then even down to the individual contributors, when we are clear on the purpose of even us as an individual what we can do is constantly center ourselves on the best intention.
1: Yes, and assume good intentions, right? right? To just not make it about us. Like assume other people are intentionally trying to hurt you or intentionally trying to mess up the system or intentionally trying to, you know, sabotage a project. I think a lot of times that's where we initially go unconsciously and uh, you know it's just that reactive tendency of uh, humans like something went wrong someone must have screwed up, who's at fault. And it's like that cycle is just so unhealthy and it doesn't work where like, like you said, you use the word purpose. We use the word outcome. You know, if you're outcome focused, everybody can align around an outcome, usually where the the dysfunction and the drama happens on how to get there. And I think a lot of times the ego is so stuck on my way where we can, if we can go in it with curiosity, now you can start to collaborate. You can start to see a bigger picture. You can start to allow and accept different ideas where if you're going in with, you know, my way's the highway, this is how we're going to get there um, with the beliefs of the ego. You know, the controller ego has got the best ideas already. The protector ego is always right. And so if you've got any of those two individuals in the room, you're going to most likely start to do this versus align and move forward quickly. And so mm-hmm. I think that's always the really fun way. I mean, i so you see it when you work with your clients as well. When you can align everybody around, you know, the the people in the room, uh, who's here, which egos are at the table. And you start using language that resonates for everyone. It just allows for a smoother ride to the finish line. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. As, actually, that brings a, a question up. We were talking about the controller, the protector, and the complier. Are these different mm-hmm. personality types, archetypes that you also help the leaders who, that you work with? Is that something you help them to identify? Because you know, as we talked about, awareness yes. is a really... Part of it. So, how do you help them to identify which archetype they're falling under?
1: Yeah, there's there's several different um, you know ways to identify. I use a tool, an assessment tool, 360 that really allows us to just identify quickly. One because the ego wants to always tell you, no, that's not me, that's someone else. (laughs) And so, this is just a flat, like black and white piece of paper with a visual that says, this is your impact. This is all perception. We can change it if we want to, but perception is reality. It's not truth. But it's reality, and I think being able to just give someone that that gift right from the beginning, from the moment they walk into the academy, Mm -hmm. and now you've got six months to really figure out and dig in and get curious about these behaviors. How are they showing up? Self awareness really takes time. You know, I think a lot of people come into this program, and it's a lifelong journey, right? As you know, it it changes every day. But you know, people come into this program after they see they're really like, great. How do we fix it? Like, well, actually, this is a journey, and It takes about six weeks before people start to say, whoa, I saw that in real time. I actually recognized what that was because I knew people said I did it, but I didn't really know what that meant. And that's really when the magic starts to happen. When you can truly not just know that you do it, but now own when you do it. And the self-awareness ownership component is, is really the key. Once we can get them to that point, that's when ego management can start to happen. Hmm. Hmm. I was.
0: uh, one of my best friends. I we were talking, and as we both ventured into this space of you know becoming and evolving the bet into the best version of ourselves, and awareness obviously is the starting point for everyone. Yeah. I don't care what you try and tell me. You can't tell me anything different. It starts with awareness. Absolutely. Um, and the thing about awareness is, once you start to build on it, you cannot turn it off.
1: Oh, it is so real. That's why you tell people. Yeah. When we're talking, when you get started, it's hard. It's really a lot of work. So always the three to four months into the, you know, academy for like, this is really hard. And I'm like, yeah, but you're building this muscle that eventually this muscle is going to be the dominant reactive muscle. Well, right now it's so weak in our body because no mm-hmm. one's ever forced us to be self-aware, truly Mm -hmm. self-aware, not just the awareness that we all talk about, but Mm -hmm. truly self-aware where there's full ownership and honesty about your good, bad, and ugly. Because most of us can own a certain level of our reality. Mm -hmm. Very, very few of us own the full truth of our reality. I've been Mm -hmm. doing this for 12 years and I still struggle to own a few things on a daily basis, right? It Mm -hmm. still takes me a moment to like, Okay. Drop the pride, go in there and apologize, (laughs) you know, because that's just humans. Like we're, none of us are perfect. You'll never fully uh, manage that ego because you don't want, it's not possible, but two, that's what makes us all real and relatable. Mm -hmm. This is what makes us all back to humanity. Like, this is just what we can communicate, connect, And keeps the human side, especially now that we're getting into AI and robots and all this stuff, right? Like this is what's going to keep humanity alive, our Mm -hmm. imperfections and our ability to connect at a vulnerable level. That is something computers will never be able to do. And that's going to be our advantage above them.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm sure you have a lot of different stories that you could share, but if you could share (laughs) maybe one story that jumps out to you of a particular client or student whose transformation through your program has, you know, been
1: really inspiring. Would you share one of those, please? You know, there's so many of them. Um, Let's see. I think, you know, I work a lot with entrepreneurs and founders. The big one that just happened, I'll use this one just because we literally just celebrated her. She, I've been working with her for about a year and a half. She started her own business. She came to me because she wanted to get her business started. Uh, It was storefront and so brick and mortar. And so she was just really nervous. And about after three months of us working together, she bought her place or got, you know, got her lease, got it started and opened her doors. And it was really incredible. But the journey that she has been on, to get that courageous authenticity, like that truth that nothing's going to rock her, even though she's rocked all the time because running a business is so incredibly hard. But she's now got such a deep level of trust and confidence in her own skills and her resources. You know, I think that's the biggest thing really all this ego management does. It allows you to accept reality and trust the process. And so you're not fighting chaos. You're not, you know, battling with the stress because you kind of just learn this way of accepting it. And I think that's, that's the really powerful thing, but she, she learned how to be truly vulnerable and truthful with her, like her online presence has turned into this amazing impact in the community that She lives in, in such a short amount of time that she was voted a woman of influences last year. And, you know, it was just so amazing because one, she never could have imagined herself in that role, Mm -hmm. but two, just how quickly you can make an impact in people's lives when you're honest and vulnerable and you share your truth Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, her business is thriving, but just her personally has, she's found this level of comfort that she doesn't have to prove herself anymore. Like there's no more insecurity. I mean, if you don't get me wrong, we all have insecurity and it always shows up, but she's got the coaching and the tools and the friends that she now then has to communicate it and own it versus letting it run her show and run her life. And it's really, really cool to see.
0: Mm, I love that. You know, when we check our ego, it doesn't just benefit the people around us, but it benefits us because it changes our energy, our mindset, our heart, the way that we're living Mm -hmm. and working. It changes so much. It really feels like it puts you back in the driver's seat. You're like, Oh, I thought I was in the driver's seat this
1: whole time. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I think that is such a good way to put it. You are now the driver of your life. No one else is in charge. No one else gets to run your show, and no when you have a bad day, you are responsible. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yes. So much power in that. Absolutely. Hence the name, mindful choice, <laughs> which is right. So I know.
0: Perfect.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's a few business things that I can look back on and be like, "Wow, I did a really good job back then." Um, it's just kind of grew, you know, when you're picking your name and your logo and you're doing all this stuff early in the game, you're like, I really don't know where this is going to go. And yeah, there's just a few things like my name and logo and even the mission statement that I'm like, okay, I'm still on track with everything we said we're going to build. This is awesome. I love that.
0: I love that. And I have no doubt it's because you did the work right? Because as much as you're teaching this to other leaders, you're living it as well. That the way that your business unfolds and really all of the different expressions of your business in the world, whether somebody finds you on social or they notice your logo or the name of it, all of that, it does come from the energy of the leader leader or leaders. And so it makes complete sense why that feels, why, why you still feel like those things are in alignment
1: because you did the work to get into alignment, Christy. (laughs) Absolutely. And I still do the work every day. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, that's a beautiful thing about being a coach. My clients always ask me, well, what tools do you? I'm like, I have four hours today of personal coaching because I am coaching you. And I learn from every single one of you. (sighs) Every time I get off one of these calls, I'm like, Wow, I did that this morning. I should probably go back and reevaluate that. Yes. Um so yeah, you know, there's just constant Reminders every day that I'm just so blessed to have, but it does. I have to practice what I preach every single day, and some days are easier than others. (laughs) Absolutely. That's what it means to be a student of life, though. So, we're constantly growing,
0: we're constantly moving forward, and actually thinking about moving forward and just looking ahead. Is there anything that you are excited about coming out of the Mindful Choice Leadership Academy? Anything that you're currently working on, or or even anything that you envision
1: evolving over time? Yes, actually, I'm so glad you asked because right now, I'm this week, we're getting ready to start feeling, I don't know when this is going to record, but uh, it'll be an ongoing mastermind that we're starting. I'm super excited. I've got a partner uh, named Liana Felt, and we are doing a mastermind called Mindful Choice Founders Circle, and we're looking for 12 to 15 founders for each group, so there'll be small personal groups that really provide that peer support, the coaching you need, the ego management skills. Plus just that everyday, you know, support. You're not alone on this journey. Being an entrepreneur is hard. Being a founder is hard. You know, I've been doing a lot of founders coaching and helping keep those relationships healthy because they're like a marriage. And so having support to really recognize how the ego is impacting those partnerships is huge. So I'm really excited to start recruiting for these groups and getting people that kind of support.
0: Oh, well, it's much needed. So we will make sure that all yes. that information is in the show notes for our awesome. guests who are interested in becoming more mindful leaders, which I can tell you that is this audience. I <laughs> love it, audience. Oh, wonderful, Christy. Well, thank you so much for all that you are doing in the world, helping leaders to become more mindful and really just helping them to live their most authentic life, which creates a ripple effect far beyond their work oh. relationships. So thank you so much for all that you're doing. Absolutely. And
1: thank you to you, Karen. I mean, I think this uh, podcast is such a great way to offer such uh, a vast amount of tools to people in such a quick, easy way.
0: Yeah. Thank you. This has been In the Details. If you like the show, tell a friend. For more shows like this, go to
1: success.com slash podcast.